Uh, this is Faye from Face World Media. I am so excited to be reunited with my friend here, Ben Smith. And before we get started, I'm just going to briefly introduce you guys to him in case you don't know who he is, but most likely you have seen several shows, not just one, uh, written, and he's one of the writers. I want to be very respectful because, Ben, you are so humble all the time. So Ben Smith is a TV writer from Lexington, Massachusetts. Writing wasn't always the plan. First, it was professional basketball player, too short, then doctor, too hard, then diplomat, took a, a bad class in college and moved on perhaps too quickly. And finally, perpetual graduate students, which is too expensive. Writing and comedy were always passion, though. He just didn't realize that they could be combined into an actual job until mid-college. Since moving to L.A. in 2012, he's worked on a range of shows spanning networks, cable and streaming. Most recently, he served as a co-EP executive producer on one of my favorite shows, Hulu's Only Murders in the Building. He also he's also written and directed a short film, Meet Cute. Uh, you can watch that on several places, Vimeo being one of them. Really cute outside, not always a cute ending though. Uh, so outside of writing, Ben <laughs> enjoys rock climbing, uh, sports, role-playing games, and relaxing with his girlfriend. And there are two cats, Fox and Scully. Uh, welcome, Ben. I'm so glad you're back. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and, and everyone else about writing. Yeah, I'm so excited. As I mentioned, sometimes after I go live, you know, people are at work right now, probably a little chilling in on a Friday, but then I always get these comments and feedback after we've gone live. So please describe, you have this white background. You are about to step into work. It's 8.30 your time in LA. Mm -hmm. uh, why are you up so early? What are you going to do today? Well, up early, a little, well, for this certainly, but also we, well, I'm, we're right now working on season three of Only Murders, and so we've started about six weeks ago, so we're back in the office. Uh, I keep looking around, there's nothing to show, it's just my own office is just all white, and then out the door and down the hallway, um, there's a big writer's room with a big conference table and whiteboards with all our notes and note cards and, um, mm -hmm. and like our plans for season three, but it's been nice. We're we're back in the office. The first two seasons, we had to write all over Zoom. So, um, wow, it's just that's amazing. To be, be back and be creative with people. Wow. So it, even though we we can't really see what the writers' room looks like, and first of all, I mean, I noticed that you're not just a writer now. You're like writer, producer, co-producer, executive producer, and. Uh, so what what are your current roles for season three, I guess, is the first question. Yeah. And some of those titles are misleading, I would say. Like, mm -hmm. And some of the titles, especially in TV, are tied to our union, the Writers Guild, and what's negotiated. And so some of it's just a, a representation. <laughs> if you can hear there's a loud card side. But some of it is just purely uh, a reflection of your longevity in the career, and you get their titles starts to store uh, staff writer, then story editor, executive story editor, producer, supervising producer, mm -hmm. consultant producer, co-executive producer. It goes up and up and up. Um, some of it's just a reflection of your time doing the job, but sometimes it does carry other responsibilities because in addition to writing, the producing side of things might be involved in casting, might be involved in helping out on set might be involved in uh, coordinating between departments for episodes, like working with the costume team, working with the um, 
props team to kind of explain what the vision is in the show, in mm -hmm. each scene, and then some of it could be editing. So the producing is very broad and it varies from show to show, like what your boss needs of you. But right now, um, it's kind of those early stages where we've spent the last couple of weeks just talking very broadly about what the season's going to be, mm -hmm. be what stories we want to tell. And so my day-to-day -day responsibilities right now are like participating in big conversations as a room, sometimes facilitating them, sometimes um, taking a backseat. But it's kind of you all just, it's right now, it's just the fun generative period where everyone's just coming up with ideas. Wow, uh, that is a really fun period, I gotta say. I remember working in consulting and marketing, we always have this uh, phase where we're just all brainstorming. So I wonder, uh, to kind of get an idea of the timeline, uh, mm -hmm. is now it seems like at the beginning of season three, how long does the writing or the before production begins? How, how long is the writing period and how long is uh, the brainstorm in respect to that? Yeah, so I think right and fully expected to work until maybe mid or late January in terms of the writing. Time out this year that around then is when we'll start filming as well. Although I'm not mm -hmm. positive about the filming side of things. A lot of that is depends on actor schedules and, and other logistics. But the writing we've started will work about 24 weeks. And I'd say we take like these first four, six weeks to talk very broadly. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll also mapping out the season, we kind of know like this is a checkpoint for four, but like we know that episode, we know what this is and this is. So right now we're writing, some people are off writing episode one, we're kind of in the process of outlining episode two, and we have mm -hmm. tentative ideas for what the future episodes will be. But obviously every time you reach it, you kind of reassess it and see, okay, that's what does that still feel right? Um, and kind of flesh it out more. Wow. This is so cool. Do all your friends like when <laughs> when they meet with you and they're like, oh my God, our jobs are so boring compared to yours. Are they kind of always in awe when they talk to you or what is that like? I I don't know. I Well, I don't know how they feel. I, I think it's funny for me, one, a lot of my friends work in the entertainment industry um, mm -hmm. and are other writers, but also I am, I am like surrounded by this all day such that I find other people's careers and lives like novel and refreshing too. It's like, I've spent all day talking about TV and now like, of course I want to hear my girlfriend. She's a teacher. I like hearing about work. I used to live with George in the sciences, like want to hear about their work. And I think actually when I was an undergrad and when I, I loved the liberal arts education of it all, like I loved having a really broad mm. uh, knowledge base and interests. And I feel like, the older I get and the more I like advance in one career, I feel like I'm get, becoming an expert at one thing. And so mm -hmm. I kind of sometimes miss that well-roundedness. And so I always love talking to other people about what they're doing. Um, and maybe conversely, they enjoy talking about what I'm doing, but I, yeah, I like, I don't know how they feel, but at the same time, I love hearing about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of necessary, right? Because I see a lot of parallels and a lot of references to real life. I think that's what mm -hmm. makes the show so, so interesting. Do you ever find yourself like in conversation with friends and you all of a sudden pull out a notebook? I'm already dictating what your process is like, <laughs> but uh, how do you, where do you seek ideas and how do you quickly capture them somehow? I, I do not have a notebook, but I definitely 
I have like a, the notes app on my phone is mm -hmm. littered with things that some are like fully fleshed out ideas. Some are like single phrases that if I look back on, I have mm -hmm. no memory of ever writing them. I have no idea what it means, but clearly in the moment I was like, that's something. Um, mm. And sometimes it can just be a line of dialogue. You know, the short film that you referenced, the first scene was born out of a conversation I had with a neighbor who was telling me a story who said like, mm. he was telling a story that he had with one at home in Lexington. And basically the first six lines of dialogue, seven lines of dialogue in the film are just what a story he told me. And I was like, that's really interesting. How, how can I then like take that conversation and turn it into like a weird romantic thriller? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it like some, when something stands out, you're like, oh, I should remember that. Yeah, no, I, I remember watching Me Cute nearly four or five years ago. And today I rewatched bits and pieces of it. It is, it is funny and dark at the same time. So uh, yeah, it makes us really wonder. I'm not gonna give the plot away, but it's like, do, when do we you know, be suspicious of, of life? When do we actually let everything to come in? And I think it's very telling, very revealing during the pandemic as well. I think really changes people's relationships and uh, it kind of made us more doubtful uh, towards everybody, but then all kind of all coming back together. Like what, how, how has the past few years, that's something that we haven't talked about really changed your mm -hmm. perceptions, way of working and way of looking at life. Well, I feel like, well, in terms of the work, um, I feel like only murders kind of like my experience around that ties in very closely. Like one, we, the first two seasons are on zoom and I started working season one in June of 2020. And there was this, like excitement and energy to i basically had been living in my apartment uh you know just me and my girlfriend and our cats and it was like <laughs> every day now there were like 10 people on zoom like little boxes I was looking at and i was like oh my mm -hmm. god like there's this sense of community there's sense of like comedy there's sense of like talking about everything we've been experiencing but in a way that acknowledged mm -hmm. the drama but also was you could laugh and be comedic and around funny people so that was really energizing and helpful and then i feel like a lot of those feelings bled into what we did on the show it's like we wanted to explore loneliness and explore people who kind of lived isolated lives finding each other and spending more time with each other and and kind of being drawn to each other so that definitely felt born out of those feelings um mm of yeah of loneliness and connection definitely heightened during the pandemic wow i can't imagine because la our previous conversation is as crazy as it sounds i think it was recorded in early 2019 and you were telling me uh that you're in this writer's room men women a lot of diversity everybody's writing i, I can imagine kind of very enclosed area and little did we know less than a year later you wouldn't be able to do that anymore uh yeah. Yeah, did you find it like difficult at first? And but did the people end up learning how to work together? Did you guys have these like six hour Zoom sessions? What what was that like? We were doing we would work for about like two hours on Zoom in the morning and then three three hours in the afternoon, sometimes longer as the season went on. But it mm. was exhausting, you know, kind of like looking at a screen camera on, talking yeah. the whole time, being engaged. Um but also 
the hours were better on Zoom, you know, because there wasn't attrition. It's like, you can't do this forever. You can't commute. So I think in some ways it forced us to be more efficient because it was like, we all love being with each other, but we also don't want to be here forever. So let's, let's, let's focus, let's do this. Um, But then also there were clearly very difficult parts of it, especially in like a murder mystery show where there's so much, detail that we're trying to track and, and plot and and whatnot and we don't have these rooms full of whiteboards with note cards and so it's all kind of like everyone has their own mental whiteboard and you're just a little mental whiteboard looks the same as the other person's mental whiteboard um and of course there were like notes documents and stuff like that that we all had but it wasn't the same as like sitting in a room and all like looking at a wall together mm. That's so fascinating because every time, even with my current clients, sometimes uh, just planning out like a book launch or something pretty, it feels supposed to be pretty simple, but it never is. And once either I open up Google Doc or some sort of tool, we are staring at it together to be like, and so we start not criticizing each other's work, but picking out the things that are completely misaligned. And that process is fascinating. Do you find yourself like using, I don't know, the like the Zoom whiteboard or something different that, that, any software that we you recall? We tried a few different softwares that I'm now. Trello was maybe the name of something. Yeah. Writer's Room Pro. There was a, a few different programs that had short-lived. Uh, no critique of the program. I don't. I don't think we even used them long enough to know all their strengths <laughs> and benefits. But there was something that was just like, maybe it's just easiest if someone opens a Google Doc screen shares their mm-hmm. screen and is like writing out their mm-hmm. understanding of the episodes and we're like okay we all see it let's continue yeah oh that's so cool wow so whoever's watching right now i know we, we can't really see everybody because linkedin doesn't really give us any numbers but if you guys have any questions for ben who is the writer for only murders in the building on hulu please let us know we'll always warn you guys if we're giving away like plot lines and things like that in case you are a little behind on the show um but ben i forgot to ask you a question when you said when you take notes and remember things on your phone what are some of the apps that you've tried over the years and what is something that you're sticking uh, with I've used Evernote, I feel like, at times, but honestly, right now I have been an iPhone, I just use the notes app there in a very disorganized way. Uh, <laughs> it could definitely be organized better, but you know, it's like my grocery list is next to my Christmas list idea next to uh, dialogue for a scene. So it's all, you just have to scroll until you find what you're looking for. <laughs> Yeah, this is oh, this is amazing! Oh my God, I, I am so intrigued. I have to ask because the mm-hmm. you know I did. It's funny. I am in my late thirties, and I didn't really grow up in the U.S. I had no idea the impact Steve Martin had on it, multiple generations on this country, the worldview on comedy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I've been told that's the case. So one time, and and he's so super into art. One time I was enjoying lunch with my mom, one of her colleagues at the uh, MFA in Boston, and he walked by. And I just remember that presence, everybody, and people were so pleasant. Nobody, not a single person, ran up to him and say, I need an autograph. I need to just, Mm. people just like letting him be. And I end up standing next to him like four feet away. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, this is incredible. Um, so what what is it like to be in his presence? I know that this is, you know, just our own personal opinions and whatever. 
Yeah, well, I've had the good fortune of meeting him only a couple of times. Um, you know, he, he'll pop into the, the writer's room on Zoom a few times in the first couple of seasons. And then I got to visit set last year and see him briefly. And there was kind of a, a dinner with the writers and the cast before season two premiered. So just on a couple of occasions. But he was in every time, like incredibly pleasant, really nice. I mm-hmm. I mean, in all those instances, he was there with with Marty and Selena. And I think my favorite thing is that I think a lot of the dynamic that you see on screen mirrors their dynamic in person. Like there's genuine love and friendship between them. I mean, Steve and Marty have been best friends or whatever since they did Three Amigos. And so they're constantly, you know, making it in a very loving way. And I think they seem to genuinely enjoy when the other lands are really good joke at their expense, but they'll also be the genuinely say like how amazing their friend is and how talented they are. So they're very, I don't know, my impression of Steve was nice, quiet, really smart and funny. Um, yeah, he was great. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. It's just incredible to have these experiences. So, you know, what I realized is like I tried and instead of me Googling, uh, I wanted to rather like ask you and learn from you the type of comedies that you've been writing for. I Not that they're similar. I know like Barry and uh, Murders in the Building, they're quite different shows. But at the same time, there's some similarities, like, you know, like there's some realism in, in, in there. It's hard for me to describe, but there's something very, so extreme, yet so close to life, uh, like so far from you, but so close to you at the same time. So is there a category of what that's called? Is there a style that you're writing for, you're aiming for? I think that's a really nice observation um, to kind of describe them. I, I mean, I don't know what term, I guess, I feel like it's more just like the half hour now, instead of, you know, like comedy and drama, there's like half hour and hour long. And maybe that's just as confusing, but it's like a half hour that has dramatic elements, comedic elements, emotional elements. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can't remember if I said this last time, but I feel like a lot of what I enjoy are things that feel real. And for me, like mm-hmm. real life can be very funny and can also be very serious. And, uh, you know, I feel, I feel like The Sopranos, one of my favorite dramas, very funny to me. Breaking Bad's very funny to me. Uh, and then also my favorite comedies have moments of great pathos. And I, I think maybe something that I also like about only murders and and Barry has elements of this too. Is mm-hmm. there are like slightly surreal moments, you know? And Barry, he's always kind of in season one. He's always imagining the life he wants in these kind of mm-hmm. fantasy sequences. There's a lot of surrealist touches that we do mm-hmm. in Only Murders, and some of that's just like I enjoy because it's fun storytelling. But I also think creative and fun way to get into the minds of the characters in a very visual way, which I think is, I mean, it's, it's TV, it's movies. Like you want to take advantage of the visual medium and kind of do stuff that you can only do in this way. So um, I like Mm. that both shows are very open to going there and doing stuff that's a little weird. Mm. I have to say, I'm not trying to be like a fangirl or whatever, but there's some, there's a genuine like love, respect and excitement for all the work that you've been doing these years. 
And it's in a, it, for me, it's almost feel like I'm like an older sister observing you to kind of, you, you like, I feel like you grew up so quickly in the space and literally like, you know, you're not braggy at all for who, you know, whoever's watching this. And I almost have to like be surprised by whatever the next project is coming your way. And I've been watching religiously every single episode of Only Murders in the Building. And we will literally take like screenshot. I have pictures of you as like writer, producer. I feel like actually I'm probably closer to a mom at that point. But literally we'll like take a, take a picture and remember that moment. It's like, oh my God, this is like, I was telling my mom earlier today. He's like, this is someone in his early thirties and, you know, working on tier one shows and, and to be so focused on this. And so, I mean, how do you find yourself navigate all those opportunities, excitement and working on multiple projects, even in, in parallel, like how do you decide what to work on and how to focus or stay focused? Well, I think in one sense, I there's an element of good fortune. I mean, there's so, I have worked on shows that I loved the creative. I had such a good time working on it and then it doesn't find an, its audience or it doesn't come together in the end. And I know so many really talented writers who I've worked with, remember um, early shows I worked on, I'm this baby writer and work with people like, that person's so talented, how have they never had a show? Mm. Um, and so I think there's an element of like, you can't control things. I've seen really talented people not get that really great shows, I think not kind of find their audience. So in some ways I feel like right now is this kind of surreal for me, like awesome moment where I'm like, oh, I'm working on a dream job with a great group of writers, material and mm -hmm. storytelling that's bold and fun for me and exciting. And mm -hmm. the bonus on it is that it seems to have like really found an audience. And so that's really cool that all those mm -hmm. things kind of worked out. Um, in terms of like what, like how I choose projects and and kind of like what I'm drawn to and you know the first part of it is like a little bit out of my hands which is the material finding me in the first place and I give a lot of credit mm -hmm. to my um my manager and my agent who mm -hmm. are aware of these projects often before me and reach out on my behalf and and ask if I'm interested and I remember during the pandemic um my management saying like, there's this project, it's a murder mystery on Hulu starring Steve Martin, Martin Short. At that time, Selena hadn't been been cast yet. And it was like, do you want to apply? And it's like, of course I do. <laughs> but there's so many people, there's some people later who's yeah. like, I would have loved to written on that show, but they never kind of knew about it when the yeah. hiring happened. So a lot of credit even for my reps kind of finding these projects for me, championing me to like make sure the producers and the creators read my material. And I also think they have a really good sense of my taste. And so I'm sure there's stuff that they know like what I'm interested in. So they go and, and, and pursue it for me. And then the element for me that is two things like the pilot script usually is sent to you before you get hired. Mm -hmm. And I really, you read a lot of scripts in this job, obviously, mm -hmm. and um, they can, feel very similar or they can feel good, but not like grab you in a way and everyone's taste is their own. But certainly mm -hmm. like when I read Only Murders, when I project I worked before that Guilty Party, Barry, Santa Cruz Diet, actually the last four shows I've done, I remember very clearly reading those pilots and being like, this is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I get it, like, I want to meet with these people. And then the last piece 
and I think in many ways, and we talked about this last time is um, so much of the job ends up being your relationship with your boss, hmm. obviously. And so you then the next step, if you've, if they've read you, they like you, you like the material and you want to just like hit it off with this person in any profession, obviously, like your boss plays a big role in your day-to-day life and your experience and your, your own well-being. So um, mm-hmm. I've had the good fortune of, and John Hoffman on Only Murders, um, Rebecca Adelman on Guilty Party. Like these were people who I was like, oh, I could be like really good friends with this person. I think they're really smart. They're kind, they're considerate. I can mm-hmm. learn from them. So those are kind of all the things I look for. Wow. Is it? It's so beautiful because a lot of people don't get to hear that. And the funny thing is, is, as different as your job is compared to people who don't work for entertainment, there are also a lot of parallels and similarities when we work on whether it's a website project or building a blog or whatever that may be. Um, So one thing, I think one of the first questions I sent to you and I thought it was so fascinating is watching Only Murders in the Building, watching Barry religiously, like really shows that I would be waiting i mean i'm just by the way i haven't really felt that way in a long time i'm not someone who's like waiting for shows to come oh friday night like that's long gone but those two shows are the ones where you know if i'm busy on a friday or on a sunday i'll be like okay i'm gonna finish work and that's something i really look forward to to enjoy with my family and having the shows being so short uh every moment of it literally i'm just sitting there in awe and thinking like holy shit this is a masterpiece like who wrote this, you know, and then to be able to connect with you and ask questions like this really is a privilege. So the question is that why do some shows, why are some shows so awesome and some shows are just, sorry, like I know they work really hard, but just suck. And mm-hmm. I, how many shows now on, you know, whether it's Hulu, HBO or Netflix, doesn't matter. And I will be watching something. It'll be like cringing. Be like, okay, okay. I'm gonna try it again tomorrow. I might like it tomorrow. I'm gonna try it six months from now. I'll be like, I cannot tolerate it. Uh, yet some of my friends will be like, recommend these shows. Be like, these is, they're completely unwatchable. So, what is the chemistry, the dynamic, if it's even possible to break down on uh, what makes something interesting that people are drawn to? Well, I, I read this question when you sent it to me, and I was like. If I had the answer to this, I 30 shows by now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I was thinking about it and even the way you frame the question now, I think there's some insight to it. Like some of it is like comes down to personal taste and, mm-hmm. you know, there's shows that my friends love that I don't love and some things that I am like, I don't, I can't even explain why, but I love this thing. If you don't like it, it's not your cup of tea. I totally understand. I'm almost like telling that beforehand. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. But I love it. Um, so there is an element of taste. I mean, I think there's also just like peeking behind the curtain. There are so many like like any TV show or movie that gets made, it's so complicated to do that there are a million ways along the way where something can go wrong. Um, I mean it obviously starts with the idea of the script. And if the idea is wrong or the script is wrong, there's going to have a lot of negative effects there. But even if you have a great script, uh, the you could have a great actor in the part, but it's not the right actor for the role. Or yeah. you could have a director who's very talented, but not 
like this isn't their style or or a very talented director who doesn't see eye to eye with the writer or who doesn't see eye to eye with the executive or who doesn't see eye to eye with the marketing team who I don't know there's so many people who participate in it mm-hmm. whose work is like really important I think it speaks to like the importance of everybody along the way from the lighting of the show to the decoration of the sets, the costumes to whatever, like for any one person, you can watch them and be like, I, that person's mm-hmm. outfit took me out of it. That line of dialogue took me out of it. That character, there's so many things that can affect your enjoyment of the show. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes there's this weird alchemy where it all needs to go right. I mean, you can also write like the most perfect love scene and romantic storyline. And if the two actors don't have that perfect chemistry, you mm-hmm. get the two most famous actors. You're like, it's not going to work. Um, so there is some kind of magic to it. I mean, I do mm-hmm. think on top of it, and maybe this speaks to like the shows you enjoy. Uh, I think that we as viewers are, I like to give them credit. Like we're smart. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of stuff. There's so mm-hmm. much out there that you at least for like, it sounds like you and me, like we want to see something new. We want to feel something we haven't felt before. We want to like see a story told in a way we haven't seen before. (laughs) And that's like a high bar, but I think it's a credit to the intelligence of a viewer Mm. that you want to be challenged or surprised. Um, So I think, yeah, I think it's like a a daily challenge on this side of things. It's like, oh, I want to make something so good that I would enjoy it. or that a, a very seasoned viewer would also enjoy. Mm, I feel like it's a long-winded answer of saying, I don't know, a lot mm-hmm. of things can go wrong. Oh, it's a great way to break it down. I, I totally get it. Again, like my limited reference, even in marketing, it's like whatever the design, the original wireframe, the design, by the time you sell it to the client, you know, going through all the stakeholders, you ended up looking, looking at something like, who did this? Like, did I take part in this? Like, does not look like anything like uh what my original idea was sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse and you just like you said very little control uh over it i have to comment now and like looking back i know that barry is a project that was like a long time ago but just briefly Mm -hmm. the female lead of that show i find it so fascinating because because she represented she is like the package of someone that i could not stand in marketing in consulting it's like she's i know she's an actor but she might as well be the super annoying colleague anywhere you could possibly imagine it's like makes you cringe at the same time she's so perfect she couldn't be more perfect for that role i'm just like you know hats off to her it's and then everything turns around that's magical i mean i think you know one other thought that occurred to me and and that Sally character maybe, mm. I don't know, could, could apply to this, but you know, there's some ideas that I think make better TV shows than others. Some ideas, for example, like would make a great sketch, like a great comedy mm. sketch where it's like, oh, there's a single idea and it's simple and there's only, it only can last so long. It can last five, it can be really good. But for mm. something to last 10, 20 episodes a season, three, five, six, seven seasons, like that single comedic idea cannot sustain itself. Like it needs the things that last are the characters, obviously. And so you need, I mean, the shows that I work on or the shows that I enjoy watching rely on the characters, rely on the characters 
being able to grow, to change, mm. and even like your relationship with the character, or Sally maybe, like they have to be able to go somewhere. And, um, you know, I think for some people, like what, okay, like Martin Short on Only Murders, I was talking to my mom the other day, and I think she'd mostly seen him in supporting roles, like supporting comedy roles where he's super funny, but his character's only on screen in like a movie for a bit. And he's doing a very elevated, silly performance that mm. is so perfect for the movie. But maybe my opinion, like you can't do a whole show with that character because there's not enough to that character. There's not enough like room to grow or change or or like heart to it. And so she was like, I love his character on the show. I, I do as well. Because in her mind, it was like, this is a new side of him I haven't seen before. But I think you need that extra depth and layer for a character to sustain a TV show. And if it's a little too one dimensional or too simple of an idea, it can be really funny or really great, but it can't last forever. Yeah, wow. That just, that's gonna trigger a lot of questions right there. Uh, it, it's true, like you said, the growth element is huge. And I've never seen those three people to get together, you know, with Steve Martin, Martin, and, and then Selena. Of all people, I was like, wait a minute, isn't she supposed to be a singer? I had no idea that she even acted. But even from the first episode, the first five minutes, I'm just like, when they were evacuated from the building, sitting there together, listening to podcasts and like trying to ignore each other, it just, it felt so real life. It's like the three super awkward, will never even appear together people. You mush that you put them together, like magic happens. Like, well, what are they going to do? And I also love the fact that there's kind of, uh, you know, there's kind of, like not romance in the traditional sense, but there's so much love that people have mm. for each other. And I find it so much richer, more sophisticated and interesting than just like this typical bo boy girl thing. And it's just like some something so much deeper than that. And uh, I, I've seen uh, in like, I would say one of my favorite shows, The Americans and, mm. you know, yeah, and the uh, oh, The Americans. And the other one, oh, Homeland. Homeland, oh my God, it's incredible. It just from uh, the relationship. But speaking of growth, okay, um, I didn't write down this question before. I was, when I was watching Stranger Things season one and two, I was like, whoa, I'm 30, I'm 30 something years old. And I can just picture myself like these cute little kids running around and um, they will be a different age. Like I was thinking, oh, they grew up in the 80s or how old would I be? And Oh, this is so fascinating. This is like the best show ever. And I got to say, this is where probably people hate me for. Here comes season three and four. Like literally the most recent season, I just go like, fast forward, fast forward. Okay, like, is this going anywhere? Like, why did each episode need to be uh, an hour and a half long? And I was thinking to myself, reading all these articles, like each episode, they had $8 million per episode. And I was thinking, wow, money really doesn't solve the narrative and storytelling thing. Like to me, it was, uh, I just completely lost interest. I think one of the reasons, and I want to hear your opinion as well, is, well, these kids went from 11 to 17, 18, and sort of nothing has really changed. Like there's, I don't see the growth and uh, it would just become very awkward and kind of plotless for me. Uh, please, it's okay if you love it. <laughs> no, well, I'll, I, I feel uncommon this because I, I've not, I've seen season one, but I haven't seen beyond it. Um, so I haven't seen the most recent stuff, but it is, 
I don't know. Like, I, I, for us at least, it does feel like those first conversations are always character driven. Like those first couple weeks mm-hmm. on the show, um, and not to say they do this on Stranger Things or any other show as well, but like the first few weeks of we were only talking about like, okay, what is Charles doing this season? What is Mabel doing this season? What is Oliver doing this season? Like, what are like the big things they're grappling with? Mm-hmm. What are like the emotional journeys they're going on? And okay, great. Is there, are we noticing like themes between their characters? Great. Can we tie that theme into the mystery? And so we're kind of trying to build two different tracks at the same time, but parallel to each other in terms of um, what we want our characters to do and mm-hmm. uh, what we want the mystery to be. But I'll also say, and I don't know, like, people watch for different reasons like there's some people who watch only murders and i call them and we sometimes talk about them in the room this way like they're vibe viewers they're just watching for the vibes and the vibes are really good (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. it's like this is just the energy like i'm not thinking too hard about the logic of the mystery or whatever like i'm just i know they're solving it i love hanging out with them i love seeing their characters grow and the way they joke with each other and there are other people who are like i only care about the mystery i only Mm -hmm the solving the crime and i wonder if there are people with with stranger things where it's like i love the vibe like i just or like yeah. i want the feel of the 80s or this or like then i don't know where they are in time now like or i just want this supernatural i love the visuals like the eight million dollars maybe is paying for in- incredible visuals that you're not seeing on other tv shows and other people mm-hmm. are like okay well the visuals were cool but it didn't it didn't stick with me or something maybe it sounds like you so i don't mm-hmm. know i certainly I think like you, we lead with the characters, like that's where my thing is first. But I've also realized that like, sometimes I'll care so much about one thing. Mm. And then if you were, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't, that didn't matter to me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that didn't matter. You have different, different preferences. That's so fascinating. I mean, I can think of another example. I was so impressed by Westworld. It's the type yeah. of season one. Uh, I, it's the type of show that I normally wouldn't watch. I'm not the super futuristic, like imagine whatever, and either, either end of the world or whatever happens. Like, but it was so, so extreme, so unreal, but at the same time it was so gratifying to, to watch it. But then frankly, the latest season, I don't even know three or four anymore. It's just like, oh God, like, I don't care anymore. Is it the people, the robots, people killing people, robots killing robots? Like it just, I was so lost. and. At the to kind of in contrary to that, oh my God, Ben, watch Old Man, please. Mm, Have you seen it? Hurt. I haven't yet, Effect. but I, you're not the first person who's recommended it. Wow, and I am just not giving anything away. It's like literally, okay. I find myself <laughs> watching a scene for 20 minutes, maybe not that long, but literally, is this guy, an old man, standing at the doorway with a woman talking, and I'm just like, oh, like I want to watch. I don't want to miss any second of it. And as I look at, I'm sitting there thinking, well, this site has probably cost like 20 bucks, you know, like (laughs) something so cheap. And yet you're just like, the characters just feel so strong. So much is at stake. Uh, So many twists and and turns. And uh, I, I don't know, you guys are just, you guys are magicians. I think that's what writers are. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, 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 what was I going to? I think that sometimes, and I also only see beyond, I think I saw the first half of, of season one of Westworld, and 
So I'm saying this without having seen where it goes, but I think something that I've also experienced in the shows I've worked on is a um, almost a, a feeling like each season needs to be bigger than the last season, especially if these shows that are high concept and are mysteries or dramatic, or it's like, you know, season one of Only Murders, it's three people in the lobby of their building trying to solve a crime that no one else cares about. And every season, every time they solve a case, they become more, become bigger. And, you know, by mm -hmm. it's, you, it becomes harder and harder to make the world feel small. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. and I think maybe as you're saying, like a conversation, you'll admit two people talking in a doorway, like that's riveting. And I think also, I love those really small, intimate scenes. And so sometimes there's this thing mm -hmm. of like, the world is getting bigger and bigger, which might have to happen naturally, but you're still fighting to like, find the really small, intimate moments. Um, but it mm -hmm. just becomes a little more complicated, the bigger the world gets. Yeah. Wow. This is so cool. So I got to uh you know i see a lot of unreliable narrators uh seen mm -hmm. in and you're like no okay all right didn't actually happen where did it happen and now you're all like that this is why my mom still only watches like families like puppy show she's like i don't i don't get any of this anymore then it's like you have to train your brain with the ways things are written these days and um i know that ben you mostly probably have written for tv shows but i was just wondering like, do you have the vision of writing for movies or any other types of shows? Are they going to be drastically different from one another? I definitely have interest in writing movies. Um, and I think maybe, be, well, for probably many reasons, but one thing that is appealing is kind of like this romantic idea of you have the whole story. You know, <clears throat> you know, like you're telling a beginning, middle and end, and you can kind of tell it and end it the way you want. Um, sometimes, sometimes you're like, okay, that was the story. Okay, now I have to like keep adding. Okay, I have to like keep going until we fail. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Or, or like you, <laughs> maybe that's a, bad, a very cynical way of putting it, but you know, there's something I think very simple and romantic about being like, this is the story, this is the size of the story I want, and I get to tell the beginning, middle, and end. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely something I'm interested in. How do you know if you have failed? How, how do you measure your own success versus failure? That, that was a really interesting point. Uh, well, I guess in the way I was saying it, fail is someone out of your hands has canceled it or whatnot, but I don't know that that's failure uh in terms of like what i can control even earlier when i was saying like there's so many factors that are involved in a product mm -hmm. um i don't know i mean there's also a difference between like a show or a project succeeding and failing and then also kind of like what my job is like my job is not i view my job as supporting the show of mm -hmm. the creator john hoffman um and so my job is to help him make the best version that he wants. And, you know, part of it is like the reason we're all hired is we bring something of our own and our own perspective. And so he always like wants us to like throw the craziest idea out there for him to think about. Like, does that work? Does that work? I want to be challenged in how I think. I want to take advantage of things differently. But once he settles on something, it's like my job to make the best version of that. So I think... Yeah. I think there is a feeling in the room that is a little bit divorced from how the audience feels, divorced from like how 
the executives and the corporate side of things view it of like, did we, we had an idea in the room, the 15 of us before anyone was hired, before it was filmed, like, did we execute on that idea? And mm -hmm. um, sometimes I like going just back to that of like, just like the pure creative side of things that we controlled. Did we tell the story we wanted to tell? Mm. I love the, the the balancing act that you have to do. I think in every job or something that we don't, we find it challenging where we don't want to do, but we have to push through it. A lot of people who follow Face World Media on YouTube or check out my blog are frankly a lot of creators of all sizes and interests. And, you know, we do have bloggers, writers, YouTubers, obviously. But Ben, can you think of like an experience? Because I know you probably read blogs, but in general, your way of writing, your way of thinking, could it? and leverage for us to create better work. So whether we're blogging or creating videos about software recommendations versus, you know, something practical, maybe a little boring, but solving a specific problem, um, what do you see as ways to help people continue reading, engaging with our content? Because frankly, that sometimes is the biggest struggle, right? In, in ways that we're laying out these everyday mundane blogger stuff, like wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I mean, yeah, I certainly without being descriptive, I'm just, I'm just a sample size of one here, but I think that, um, I feel like I want concision, like I want clarity. And I, I, you know, I think that oftentimes, you know, if you have a great idea, um, but you can't, but if the other person doesn't understand the idea, like, then you might as well not have an idea. You know, there's so many times where like in the room, someone will pitch, you know, cause our job is to like pitch ideas, jokes, scenes to each other as we build. And if you can't, you have it in your head and the and you say it, the other person does not see it perfectly, then it's mm -hmm. kind of like dead on arrival, even if it was a good idea. Um, and maybe it'll have to be pitched later or you come back around to it later. And so I think, uh, there's a real, I feel like I'm giving the most basic answer. I'm like, it should be clear. <laughs> don't overcomplicate mm -hmm. it. But I think there's also like, in the, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have a good no, answer. No, it's all good. We keep going. And it's like, I know you're thinking on, on the spot here. And I love to, I, I, I love when I hear like instincts as opposed to like something super curated, like, you know, the way that I was describing, like, you know, so surreal yet. So like, it just the way how how it made me feel. And uh, yeah, I, I think for blogging and writing, it is really for, for us, the type of content we create is about solving a specific problem, which is very different than I think the, the world you're living in. I think in many ways, it's harder. Like, what is at stake? Why do I care? Why do I want to devote hours of my time to watch Barry or only murders in the building? I'm happen to be someone who actually, I don't watch TV all that much. Like my TV watching time is quite limited. Um, there's very few shows that really can draw my interest. And, uh, you know, you happen to be, you know, one of the very few writers who can. So with that said, I want to just pivot a little bit to talk about diversity and mm. there's a lot of diversity i think in the world you live in i remember you talking about uh you know like even in the writer's room there are different opinions and there, you know in your shows there is certainly a lot of representations um i'm curious because you know lena dunham's uh, work is something that i always kind of enjoy girls the most recently industry on i think hbo, HBO. it's really yeah it's, it's really incredible stuff and uh 
And at the same time, I know that she received a lot of criticism around lack of diversity. I think specifically what people mean by that is just a lot of like, you know, Caucasian female in a friend's group and they'll come from a certain class. And um, I, you know, if people don't didn't bring it up, I was like, okay, I guess that might be true. But at the same time, if she doesn't have friends from other cultures, she's uncomfortable writing about those cultures, then could it could, you know, could it make it worse if she forces herself to introduce those characters? So I, I'm kind of curious to see what, what, you know, your opinion on that. Well, I think, you know, the Lena Dunham example specifically, like, I don't know that I don't feel com like comfortable, like specifically speaking on that, but in terms of like diversity on screen and the stuff we do, like, I know that I myself at times will feel like maybe I don't have the authority to say something or, or I'll write something, but be unsure of it. And so one thing I really value, whether it be in the writer's room or just like in my social circle itself is benefiting from the opinions of others. You know, it's great to be in a writer's room where other people can speak to a line of dialogue, not feeling quite as specific as you want it to, or a decision that doesn't feel quite right or representation that, that feels like we could be, even more specific or, or, or better, better drawn um, or share friends to get their opinions. So I know that there are areas that I'm like, I feel good about and others that I'm like, oh, I think this is good, but I benefit from more perspective. But I think that <clears throat> it is incumbent on writers and creators to be thoughtful about they're putting mm -hmm. on screen and who they're putting on screen and some of that can be as simple as in the casting process like you mm -hmm. sometimes you know you send material out for when they look for a part and i think sometimes if you don't specify without even you know a casting director or whatnot may default as many people may to an assumption mm -hmm. like oh i'm looking for a white person here or something like that like unless you say mm -hmm. a note like any race or mm -hmm. saying this is a Hispanic character. Like mm -hmm. you may not see guard when people audition. So I think being proactive and thoughtful about screen and, and writers do have responsibility and actually a fair amount of power in, in determining that um, because it starts on the page and then everyone works off of that. So uh, mm -hmm. I'd say that I, I, I think that it's, if there are things that you're not sure, well, you should lean on people. And 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 I, I, that's what I love about the writer's room. And it's not, it can be all types of diversity, even like New York diversity. Like I write something and I'm like, I don't know, does this feel New York? Like, let me ask my, my friends who live in New York on the show, like, is this feeling authentic or organic? Or like, this is a, a millennial character versus a Gen X character versus a boomer character. Like, are there other through that feel more authentic based on age. And so mm -hmm. all of those things interrogate and, and always try to push to be a little more authentic. Mm, I find Only Murders in the Building to feel very New York. I think, I know Steve Martin probably uh, at least, you know, has an, a, a, you know, a house, a condo, whatever it is, must make him really happy because to me, it was clear that everything was shot there and, and the decor, I mean, just like, inside these different apartments and the, the way people dress and behaved, it was just like so New York to me, um, felt authentic. Actually, I have an authenticity question for you. Uh, how, 
where did we mess up with the podcasting? How bad is representation on the show? <laughs> this is such a such a cute question. My God, number one, we're I think as a podcaster. All the podcasters realized it was such a strong element of only murders in the building. Got so excited. First of all, it wasn't like we're not quick to judge, right? It was like, oh my god, it was amazing. And I actually learned something from it because the yeah, the original idea that I had for my show, even though it would have been super expensive to produce, was I actually had an exact record recorder. You know, he had and they had. And um, and I, I would want to travel with it and record my thoughts. And but what ended up happening is we, you know, pre-schedule these things and, you know, write down questions. I just love how spontaneous uh, it was. I think it was showing creators a different way of thinking about it, uh, the level of urgency, how, how raw it can be. And so I, I love that. And actually, it, it also was so funny because the two main characters are not 20 years old and to watch them to be interested in this and see how they like grabbing the microphone and like, you know, and to, to listen to their own episodes. I, I thought it was really, it was cute. It, it was authentic in a very cute way. What do you, what do you think of that setup? Well, I mean, the, I feel like the things that I'm like, Oh, our audio quality or, or our like, recording setups were not <laughs> it probably you get that like improvisational like on the fly very organic but probably our sound quality is too good than it should have been <laughs> right right oh that's interesting i actually thought about that because i noticed that you guys were trying to do something uh i i can compare like the recording of them as part of the set versus when they played bits of their podcast I could I could tell that it was, you're trying to like downgrade the quality a little bit, maybe not enough, but it's like I was thinking how expensive would it be to produce a, a show like that? So uh, what a great question. I'm so I almost forgot to even bring it up. Thank you, Ben. Um, what is new for you in the future? What can we look forward to? Any hints? Is there hints for like what happened in season three <laughs> or like general general project? Um, oh, wow. Uh, I think, well, I, this is a great question, but I don't have a good answer in a very sad way. Like what, what's new for me is we're, we're going to be writing and filming season three of Bowling Murders. And I don't, I don't have any like, uh, side or like my own individual projects that are very far along. Um, but definitely working on starting that up soon. I'm, I'm, the short answer is I don't have anything right now, but I'm looking to start developing something in the next few months. Wow. Well, what is it like? I know we have to let you go back to your writer's room. Uh, it's like, um, it's so funny. It's just like, like babies, you're like, oh, it's, and you can get out of timeouts now. This is like the fun stuff. Um, but no, that room is super fun, first of all. What is it like to write for a show? um a tier one show for eight hours 10 hours and ideation outside of the actual writing room uh, versus managing your own projects which means going back home probably right until three in the morning i mean i went through that for my own podcasting journey well, what is that like for you i mean to be honest i i think i don't do much writing i oftentimes don't do much writing outside of a show when i'm working that like that kind of 
captures a lot of my creative energy. And I, I think there are other like parts of my, I kind of like then dedicate my time to, it's like, okay, I've been thinking about writing all day. I want to turn that part on to go hang out with my friends. I want to like go exercise. I want to eat some great food, travel. I don't know. There's like, I, I feel like that creative itch has been scratched and I'm not looking for it as much. And I think, and also I really like, I, my creative taste aligns with the show. If I think if I were working on something that did not feel creatively satisfying to me as much with my free time, I'd be like, okay, I want to be working on something that more aligns with my taste. But oftentimes that I feel like I've had my creative happiness, but, um, I think that if I am to be creative on my own stuff, it generally has to happen in the morning before mm-hmm. like a sponge that's been squeezed dry by the end of the day. Like I still got a lot of creative energy in the morning. So that's kind mm-hmm. of tough. Um, but I always benefit. Yeah. But I, I do think that the hardest part for me actually is like the initial I- idea generation. But once mm-hmm. I have the idea, then it's actually relatively easy for me to like, sit down for an hour, make a lot of progress, sit down for an hour, make a lot of progress. Mm. Um, it's kind of like dedicating time to just sitting and thinking and coming up with the core central idea that takes the longest for me. And so that usually mm. I need to like have a break in my schedule to really kind of something. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. That's a great question. Thanks so much, uh, Malcolm. Uh, and I should let Ben go back to work. Uh, Ben, to connect with you, you are not a not on social media a whole lot, but uh, we did include your Twitter handle, uh, which is BWK Smith on Twitter. If you want to follow Ben there, any parting words, anything that you want to uh, catch up on before we go offline? Um, oh God, no, I I'm not very on social media, but I certainly welcome to follow. Uh, Appreciate it. I don't think there's anything big to say. I don't know. I know nothing. Oh, hold on. <laughs> no. A question. While student lessons are one of my favorite spots. I, uh, in Lexington, I used to work at the Flick, which is the movie theater there. I think it's been renamed since, but that was like my high school job was working at this small two theater uh, movie theater there, which was the best to me and all the other high schoolers work there. Also, my friends work mm-hmm. at Rankatori's tasty ice cream place in oh. Lexington Center. Rankatori's um, is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And then, uh, I mean, this is not mm. a, a, a hidden gem, but I think the biggest Boston thing I miss is going to Celtic games. My family's had tickets since I was in third grade and so, or second grade. So we'd go a lot, a lot. And so that's that's probably the thing I miss most about the East Coast is is all the Boston sports. Oh yeah. wow! Do you still come back pretty regularly, Ben? Yeah. Came home. I've probably been home three times this year. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's but not I, bad. But I was off on I was off on break. We kind of finished writing season two in, in February or March, and then we came back in July. So I had like a three four mm-hmm. month break. And so I tried to make it home and see my family a bunch. That's so nice. Uh, During your break, you you actually have breaks and can travel and not worry about work as much. Oh, wow. 
That's for our next episode for sure. So thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take us. Yay! I'm going to take us offline now. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for hopping.